How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Eastminster Young Adults Podcast, a place where you can learn more about what it means to be a young adult Christian in times like these. You know, studies show that two of every three young adults have a challenging time finding Christian community. Eastminster Presbyterian Church seeks to create a community where you can be known, loved, and challenged without the fear of facing judgment. In doing so, we believe that the world will be a better place. So thanks for listening to the podcast. How's it going, everybody? This is Pastor Joe, and we're continuing to make our way through the New Testament section by section. And today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is, uh, man, at the time of this recording, we're like, what, about a month away or a month removed from the Christmas season. And so we're going to get into some of the Christmas stories here. But this is the visit of the wise men or the magi, whatever word you want to use there. Uh, that only Matthew records. So as you and I know, Matthew and Luke are the only ones to talk about Jesus' birth. Uh, Matthew's got some unique material. Luke's got some unique material. The two things that they agree upon is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he was born of a virgin. Some of the other stuff, uh, the unique stuff that we see like in a nativity play and stuff that's mashing together Matthew and Luke's timelines together. And so um, many of us know the details. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. King Herod is, uh, he is the king of Israel at this time. And he actually passes away in 4 BC. We know that from antiquity. And as wise men or magi are coming from a foreign land, they go to Jerusalem first. It's the capital city. I mean, it's got that big, big building, a palace and a temple right there in the middle. So they probably assumed, yeah, it's probably good to go ahead and get like a a visa, you know, some sort of a a reason to be in this country. And so they go to the king first and uh, they say, hey, where is the king of the Jews born? For we saw his star when it rose uh, and we have come to worship him. And so we don't know all the material that these foreigners had. They they must have had some great access to a myriad of religions. And they were probably studying stars. I thought stars were messages from the heavens to people who lived on the earth. And so they were putting two and two together. Let's just say at best, their their knowledge of Yahweh, of Israel's God, is like very small, like maybe just a footnote in all of the information that they had. And so they, on a whim, they decided to go on this journey. It probably took them months. There's a good chance it took them years. And so here they are. They're kind of getting closer and closer to their destination to go to the king. So here we have this interesting, uh, we, we might even call it satire. I don't know. We, this is a, a unique way for Matthew to write this story. But um, you know, you would assume that the king of Israel would be more informed about such matters, but he is not. He's a doofus in this story. Look at verse 3. Uh, when King Herod heard this, he was alarmed and with all Jerusalem with him. And so what does he do? He doesn't know the answer. He doesn't have Wikipedia or Google, so he has to assemble the chief priests and the experts in the law. He asked them where the Christ is to be born. And so you can imagine, let's just a little bit of license here, that they're like, I don't know, probably studying and they're pouring over the scriptures. Herod knocks on the door, they get this question from the king, and they like, you know, they, you know, put their eyes up from their books, their noses from their studies. You know, they I could just see them at a desk, right? Or a big table. And then they are like, they say, Oh yeah, he was 
you know, supposed to be born in Bethlehem. That's what, according to the prophet. And they um, have this quotation. Matthew includes this quotation from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But notice that these chief priests and teachers of the law, like they don't put their books aside. Their heart rate doesn't increase. Their uh, eagerness to leave whatever they were doing, it, it doesn't increase. They just answer the question and almost saying like, anything else, King? Any other questions, Bible trivia, uh, Jeopardy questions that you have for us? Um, they go back to study. So Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star appeared. So he sent them to Bethlehem on this mission. Hey, I want you to figure out what's going on down there, since none of us want to go. And can you come report back to me? Because although I'm presenting a calm and uh, collected front inside, upheaval is happening because there seems to be a rivalry in my kingdom. And so uh, the Magi left. They go and they see the child with his mother, as we see in verses 10 and following. They open their treasures and they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. Okay, so what do we have here? We have uh, this interesting picture of the beginning of the story of Jesus. Once again, the first few chapters of the Gospels, they represent like an overture and a symphony. Because what we see here, we begin to see in other parts of the gospel as well. There is going to be confrontation between Jesus and the chief priests and the experts in the law. There is going to be confrontation, not with this Herod, but with the Herod Antipas um, after uh, this Herod passes away. But what's something that we can live uh, on today? I just think it's so interesting. This, uh, let me use the word here, juxtaposition between these foreigners with just a footnote to go on. And their excitement to seek Jesus versus the apparent apathy and um, unawareness uh, with those who are inside the Jewish faith. Okay, I think that Matthew's doing this on purpose. And I think it's important for us, particularly as seasoned Christians, because I don't know if you've seen it uh, in your lifetime as a Christian, but I think sometimes uh, people assume that because they have a, you know, like a banked volume of religious experience that they are on the right team, that they have the right answers. And, uh, they have like this posture of power because of, I don't know, their privilege of being in a religious community for some time. Right. And we even see this in our culture today that people use religious populations as a lever for power and to achieve what they would like, even if they're either political platform or their idea or their agenda isn't uniquely situated within the gospel of Jesus. They say, okay, we can appeal to the religious crowd um, on the basis of all their experience and on the basis of all of their hopes and dreams of the world. And we can like, you know, play footsie with them a little bit. And then we can kind of do our own thing um, as we organize their base. And so I think that there's a temptation sometimes as religious people to say, I want to get on the inside because then I'll be on the right team. And there'll be benefits because of it. But if this if this narrative sits by itself, it tells us a lot about religion. That at sometimes, this is maybe the punchline, outsiders are a little more eager and a little more clued in on what's going on in our faith than even the most dedicated and seasoned insiders. Okay, so religion, to sign up for religion is to not to assume that we're going to get all of the right answers and the products of like superiority. 
Um, but actually, when we sign up to participate in religion, we actually sign up for a lifetime of being reminded that we're still on square one. That we're in for a life of humility. That we're in for a life of like taking what we thought um, was uh, an informed perspective and new light is shined upon it and then it causes us to think again, to go discover again, to go learn again, to ask God to help us, since we do believe, to help us with our lingering unbelief. That we're never going to be rid of doubt, that we're never going to be rid um, of all the uncertainty. But that we, the reason that we join in religion is because we know that we need help to continue to seek the answers that we're searching for, right? Yeah, like we're not going to like join a religion and have it all like, I'll put in place and I'll organize on the shelf and then say, okay, now don't move. Answers to the questions that I have, do not move. Uh, let me go on the rest of my life now. No, uh, to sign up to a religion, uh, to uh, be a part of religion, especially the Christian religion, is to assume that we're going to need help again and again, that we're never going to be black belts, and we're never going to master it, that we're going to continue to need to grow, that we're going to continue to need to seek answers. And so what we find and the witness of the Magi is that we need both the, all the experience that we've gleaned up to this point in our faith through sermons and studies and experiences, but we also need to attend to those who are on the outside, the strangers that might show up in our midst, because even they, even they can have a truth and revelation that deepens our walk with God, right? Yeah. So hopefully you and I grapple with the reason why we became Christians, right? Um, sure, I believe Christianity is the true religion. I believe it's right. But, you know, you can take the right thing and use it in wrong means. And so hopefully you and I, uh, with the whisper of the Holy Spirit, can examine uh, what we're wanting Christianity to do for us and that we'd allow the work of our faith to continue to shape and mold us to be the humble seekers that God desires for us to be. So that's what I get out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So next time around, we are going to cover Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18, when Jesus and his family have to escape to Egypt because of calamity that happens in Bethlehem because of Jesus being born. So, hey, thanks for hearing me out. Tune in next time for the next installment as we go through the New Testament book by book. Hey guys, you know, we're trying to give ourselves to five missional habits and practices as we seek to live out a Christian faith and what looks like an ever-increasing post-Christian world. And so instead of bemoaning it, instead of complaining, we're just going to get busy and get active and be participants in this world around us and not uh, removed in some sort of like, I don't know, sanitized, sanctioned off uh, auxiliary of American life. Like we're going to go ahead and journey into the world in the middle of all of its mess and see if we can't be witnesses for Jesus. And so we are using Michael Frost's Surprise the World book, and he's got five missional habits and practices, and they spell the acronym BELLS. And so each episode of the podcast, I just take one of those and give a go at explaining and giving some ideas. And so uh, we've talked about blessing and eating recently. So we're going to talk about the first L, which is to listen to the Holy Spirit. And a key fixture of the Christian life is to be led by the Spirit. Uh, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 
that if we live by the Spirit, we'll keep in step with the Spirit, okay? And so uh, we have to grow a company to this idea that the Spirit is going to be in our lives. And this idea comes from Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. Um, he says in John 14, 16, and he repeats it in verse 26, he says, then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And this word advocate in the original language the New Testament was written in is the word paraclete, a pair of soccer cleats, as we used to say as we were uh, learning Greek in school. And this, depending on your translation, um, some English translations say this is advocate, this is helper, this is counselor. And so there's like the, a constellation of images for this one word about who the Spirit is in our life. And I love the way that I think is Jim Smith, James Brian Smith from Friends University here in town. He talks about the Holy Spirit coming alongside of us uh, like a person who cheers us on as we're running a marathon. Okay, like if you ever ran a race and you get to that point where you're just fatigued and in your brain you're going, I should quit. This was really dumb for me to sign up for this race. I didn't train enough. <laughs> I'm not strong enough. I still hope people like me if I quit today, right? But then that person comes along just at the right nick of time and they they whisper encouraging, comforting words and they help you down the next mile and the next mile all the way to the finish. Uh, Jim Smith says that's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is like. He comes alongside of us and he encourages us. Uh, that's one of the, the basic cornerstones of his experience among us. And so um, as Christians, uh, the, the more that we can be open to the Spirit speaking to us, the more we'll benefit from this ministry of the Spirit. Uh, without a doubt, He's always nearby. But I think sometimes we don't afford the Spirit the platform to give get a hearing uh, for our lives. And so my encouragement for us is to find a way throughout the day, just a, maybe a, a quick breath prayer, they would call it, to invite the Holy Spirit. And so I think of the story of when Eli is uh, mentoring young Samuel in 1 Samuel 1-3, through 3, and Samuel hears God's voice for the first time. It's a familiar voice, but he doesn't know that it's not Eli's voice. And so Eli gives him a prescription. He just simply says, next time you hear that voice, say, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And I just wonder if we couldn't have that type of banter with God. And if we could, if we wouldn't feel that we're hearing the Spirit at a higher frequency than we have in our previous Christian experience. And so I just encourage you as you drive down the road, um, as you look at your planner and, uh, you know, all of the things that you have going on in the day, um, I mean, maybe a temptation is uh, being pressed upon you. Um, you just have like a prayer like, Lord, I'm here in your servant and I'm listening and I need to hear from you. Um, that's not demanding of God. That's um, giving God license to be in a relationship with us. And so I encourage you to do that. And who knows, uh, you might be sensing the impression of the Spirit. And as you act out on that, then you learn His voice, that unique tone of His voice, just like any other voice that we get used to in our everyday life. And so try that out and see if it doesn't help um, increase this uh, habit of listening to the Spirit. So thanks for hearing me out. Hey, real quick, guys, just want to tell you about a study opportunity. If you'd like to join the Young Adult Study Opportunity, we're going to start a, a study called Following King Jesus. 
It is written by Scott McKnight and then one of his students from Northern Seminary who actually put the book together. Uh, but it simply talks about the gospel, what it is, what the New Testament says the gospel is, and then how do we live it out in the world around us. And so if you would like to join that study, it's going to be on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. And it's going to start soon. So if you'd like to, just send me a quick email and I'll make sure that you get included in the list. And we're going to meet in person. It'll be social distance and masked as we continue to mitigate COVID-19. We feel like it's time uh, to get together to start the new year with the study. So if you'd like to join us, please send me an email. Skillen, spelled like a skillet, but with an N, at eastminster.org. All right, thanks. Hey, before we go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating so that more people can be drawn to the podcast. We also have a Eastminster Young Adults Facebook page. If you'd like to be a part of that, please look for it and send a request so we can add you to the closed group so you can stay up to date on all the things that are going on in young adult life. Thanks. We'll see you next time.